This is Sparks of Attraction, your modern sex and dating podcast. With your host, Nick Sparks. As we continue, David opens things up to questions from our community. The first question is what to do when you're dating a woman who's experienced some form of trauma in her past, whether that's a lot or a little bit. A community member asks how he can overcome his insecurity of being short. I love David's answer because he goes over how you can overcome not only this insecurity, but any other insecurity you might have. Check it out. I've been going on dates with girls who have had traumatic experiences in the past with men in dating, uh, one of which was pretty recent. And she told me on one of our dates that she was still struggling to get over it, but really wants to date and find a great guy. Usually the dates go really well, but then they end up ghosting. And I'm left wondering if I may have done anything to trigger any of those past traumatic experiences. Are there some things I can do to handle it better or make her more comfortable if she shares her experiences with me? Uh, anything along those lines? So I appreciate the question. And so just trying to figure out on the second date what might have triggered that reaction, uh, given the, the, tra the traumatic experience she had. Was it uh, that she was lied to or was it a, a sexual abuse when she was a child? Do you, do you know what that was? She didn't go into any detail about it, just that she's had really bad experiences. And I didn't really think it was appropriate at the time to dig deeper into it since it was only like our second date. Hmm. That's interesting. So if she brought it up in the second date, what was the context of her bringing that up? So we were talking about what we were looking for. Like, are you looking for a relationship or what mm -hmm. was your relationship history? Basically, yeah. he brought that up. So I explained, you know, I'm looking for a relationship. I had a couple bad ones in the past, but, you know, I'm really just looking for someone to connect with on a very deep level and then she went on to say you know oh me too but i've had some really bad traumatic experiences with that and one of them is still affecting me okay that's helpful it's better than nothing um just based on that it's it's not clear uh, what the reasons are so if she just said it like that then it might have meant that it seems like maybe the guy beat her or cheated on her because if it's a, and then we'd have to know why that, why she got into that relationship. One great date question that I would say, even on the first date, is tell me about your family. And you could set it up by telling her something about your family, you know, something deep, but not super deep yet. <laughs> Maybe about uh, at Thanksgiving, this and that happened. So tell me about your family, because you can learn a lot about somebody based on how they describe their family. And just reading um, and feeling with them. And that will explain the relationships they get into. So if you get the boyfriend information, the ex-boyfriend, that would give you the surface level. And then just to explain how did she get with this guy in the first place? Why was there attraction? Why was there chemistry? In what way was, if he was really abusive, then what led her into that? Um, so if you're really looking for not just a hookup, and a lot of guys who are doing both, they want the hookup and the relationship down the road, possibly. And I get that. So I've made a course for those guys. 
And then there, is who's, there, then there are those who really want a relationship. That's a different approach. This is where you don't screw around. Time is precious, right? So I learned pretty early on that women, uh, plenty of the women who are attractive had some level of sexual abuse as a child. The earlier you learn about that, the, the more that you can correct for it later on. So if she has an avoidant attachment style, then what will happen is, and an avoidant attachment style would oft, is often a response to um, some kind of abuse early on, where she's just like away from it, right? So then sometimes it, it'll be, an, it depends on her coping strategy. She might have adopted an anxious attachment in response to abuse, but you might see that avoidant. So if you know she's avoidant, then she knows, and she becomes avoidant when she cares because she's so afraid of her feelings of getting into a relationship because she can't trust her own emotions anymore. So then she just ghosts you because she's too scared to feel anymore. She's getting too attached. She's catching the feels too early. So that's actually a good sign for you. You're like, man, that date went well. She's ghosting me. Awesome. So then what you do is you reply. My wife had a situation where when she was four, her dad abandoned her family and went off to the other side of the world and was away for several years. And at four years old, your brain is just still, I mean, that's so formative. That'll be stay with you in your unconscious. So I knew that. And I was flying in and out of the country she was living in. I didn't live there. And I knew that every time I hopped on that airplane, she re-trigger her. Just like daddy took off and didn't come back. So if the times went after a date, she didn't try to distance herself. I would think, damn, what did I do wrong on the date? She's not pushing me away. That means the date didn't go so well. <laughs> but then when the date goes well, oh, I knew it. So then she'd be like, she didn't even break up with me. She's like, look, we can't do this anymore. She sent this long text message about how we can't be together. And I knew it. This is because she cares. She loves me so much. She's afraid of love. So I would just say, okay. You know, and I'd wait, I don't know, a day or two, whenever I felt like it. And then I'd just reply back like, hey, so how would you have for lunch? Which part of us breaking up didn't you get? I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. But anyway, what'd you have for lunch? By the, Within a few hours, we'd be back at it and it'd be like nothing happened. Because I just know that she has an avoided attachment style, right? And I can adjust for that because I know her trauma. In the psychiatric perspective, you don't grow them out of whatever attachment style they've adapted. It's, it's a given. It's just, that's what you're working with, too bad. So somebody who's an anxious or avoidant has to mate or partner with a secure attachment person and because the, they, they don't try to actually help those parts to grow out of their anxiousness or, or their avoidance. Um, so you, if you are the secure one in that, you can be the rock against which they go and do all of their normal coping strategies. It's sort of like a parent with a child. If you know the child, they just got beaten in basketball or something, and it was really bad, and they fucked up real bad, and you're driving them home, and your son is not interested in talking, and he lashes out at you, and he's hurt, and you're not going to take it personally, unless you're a really immature dad. You're going to realize, okay, Junior is hurt, and he's saying these things, and I'm going to be here for him. I understand why he's doing it, so I'm not taking it personally. I'm not hurt. And when he's ready to come down for dinner, he'll come down for dinner. You know, so you don't have to go up there and force his hand. He's, he ghosted you. Junior just go, goes to the whole family, slam the door, can't deal with it. And then you can help him when he's calmer, learn how to regulate his emotions better. So if you're in the secure position and you have this therapeutic understanding or training and you know what her trauma is, you can help her and be the, the person who proves her wrong. And you say, look, I'm still here. You think I'm going to leave, but I'm here. Or you think I'm going to beat you, but I'm not. Now, can uh, most guys do this? No, because they're in their own trauma and have 
therapeutic work. So they're reacting. She goes him and he gets all insecure. And then he's got to go see his therapist. So he's not secure. So the anxious and the avoidant often attract each other and they get into this horrible self-destructive loop. That's why you know the majority of people aren't going to be successful in relationships. But if one of them is secure, that secure partner can actually bring the one who is not into a secure functioning. So that's what I'd recommend. But um, there wasn't enough experience, uh, understanding of what her trauma was and why she's so we can't we can only guess at why she is ghosting and it might just be that uh and a lot of girls lie about shit man this is part of what uh you know i i went down for several months the red pill route but there's a helpful perspective there where you see the sort of dark side of people especially of women and a lot of women will lie about their trauma or their their abuse to to activate the fixer, white knight in the guy she's dating. And some, sometimes it's just a way of controlling, manipulating, and kind of power tripping. She might just ghost because she doesn't like you enough, right? And because she's working three or four other guys, right? So this is her character at that point in time or that part of her. And um, she's got to be wary of it. And being the guy who's not going to waste time in that sense of like, if you're not ready to go deep, you know, I'm out. But you can do it in a light and fun way, of course. You got to be able to, what do we call that? Fractionate. Go deep, then go light. Go deep, don't, then go light. And uh, keep it light and fun. But then when she's starting to feel, you you stop and you're fully present with her. Yeah, no, this is all great. Like, I didn't think about taking that approach of asking about the family and then, you know, having that boundary of just, like, being able to deal with their experience in that way so it was very helpful and i appreciate your the depth to your answer david thank you so much i would i would really like to go a little bit deeper here if y'all don't mind this this is something that that came up for us just on the call earlier today is nick wise tendency of getting a little too overexcited definitely exhibiting some of those those anxious the patterns of of getting too overexcited when it comes to meeting someone and and jumping ahead a few steps and getting into that fantasy of who this person is and and the feelings of it versus the reality of the situation but i'm really curious about what you would say to nick or to anyone with like you know that is exhibiting this anxious attachment style themselves and needing to to take that to a more secure place before they're really going to be able to have more secure relationships with women. Yeah. On the neediness issue, learn what needs are driving your anxious attachment style. And by the way, if um, what you're saying is true, then that would make sense that you'd be more attracted to women who might end up ghosting you because um, the anxious attachment generally will We'll have chemistry with an uh, avoidant. Yeah, that's actually what my uh, therapist told me is ah. <laughs> I do tend to seek out those who are avoidant because I got like lack of love as a kid. Someone rejects me. I go hardcore for yeah. it. And okay. yeah. so you've already done that work. That's wonderful, Nick. Mm. So you understand the context. Great. I can skip a whole bunch of steps. So great. So now have you been with your those parts of you that are like the inner child that is feeling this ghosting in a in a way that really hurts? 
or that causes fear or worry? It's something that I've definitely worked on. It's not something that I believe I've done. I've taken the time to really accept as a part of me. Yeah. So what do you know what um, style of or, or approach your therapist likes to take? Is it more of a talking therapy? Yeah, it's or? more like talking therapy. Okay. Um, if your therapist is able to do what we call experiential, and often that will be, uh, so even CBT, which is the quintessential talking, um, now in, in its third wave, CBT, which is a, a kind of schema therapy, has imagery rescripting in it. So it will be where your eyes are closed or your eyes are defocused, and you're able to float back to the earliest memories that you can recall of when you felt this way. And then to be with that child in your memory, that inner child of you in that in your memory. And it gets easier to do that the more you encounter your inner child in, from a way and feeling love and compassion for that child in you. So I have a, a series of meditations in solid relationships. And I have a mini course called Heart, which is uh, very affordable. And it's all, there's also, like I said, I embed some inner child in Invincible where we just encounter your inner child and you just interact with that part of you. And at the beginning, you might be ashamed of it or you might be kind of annoyed by this little child because it keeps getting in the way of the things you want and stuff like that. But just being aware of this inner child and seeing that it has positive intention, there's lots of positive qualities of play, of spontaneity, of adventurousness, of creativity. And until you can integrate that inner child back into your unconscious into your mind into who you are um, and that would require full acceptance of it um, those qualities won't be as readily available to you as your your system overall so a great step first step is that is to spend more time even on a daily basis with your child and inner child work is so well known now in the therapy wellness world that you can find multiple inner child meditations on like the insight timer app. You can just literally do a search for inner child. I think it's one of their categories uh, and you just scroll down, look at the ratings, just pick and choose. And they, they should all be helping you to gently uh, encounter your inner child more so you can get used to it, thinking of it being there, of it being closer to the surface so that when this anxiousness comes up with a woman. You can go to that inner child and meet its needs for connection, for certainty. That seems like a big one, that you can meet that child's needs. And even further, getting to the point where when you start from acceptance of that child, you can then move into a deeper connection of meeting the child's need for love. Because really what that inner child in us wants is like beyond the full acceptance and connection is to be loved just for who we are not for the things that we are able to do not for the accomplishments we did in the past not for the six-pack we worked so hard for that's what we're struggling for and that's the great promise of unconditional love that makes this relationship with this woman such a big deal is because now here finally is the promise of unconditional love that i've been craving from the moment i was born but if you're able to bring that you're from your higher self, that unconditional love for the inner child that's, that's craving it, that, and then it won't be looking for it from another. And then when you're able to open up her 
inner child because your higher self, she feels that in you. She can finally relax and open up to you as well. And then her higher self will emerge. And now we have a relationship of unconditional love where her higher self is able to love your, but in IFS we call exiled parts. And your higher self is able to love her exiled parts. But that can only happen when you and yourself have accessed your higher self and are able to not just accept, but fully love those exiled parts, those vulnerable parts in yourself. That really hits home. There's a lot of shame and resentment in my past because of things that have happened. Like growing up, I was bullied a lot and I was homeschooled, so I never really had much social interaction. You know, not to get too deep, but it was just like I had a really bad experience in high school uh, because of my lack of social conditioning. So everything you said makes absolute perfect sense. Good. Yeah. So for anyone listening, if when you feel nervousness or anxiety, when a woman um, causes like she pulls away in whatever way, maybe ghosting or. Maybe you just sense she's losing interest on the date and she's just leaving and that, and you feel that anxiety coming up. Just pay attention to where that is in your body and on around your body. And then follow that like breadcrumbs into finding the parts or part of you that is hurt by this and taking seriously the idea that it's, it's a part of you. It's not all of you. It's a part of you. And it sounds like with these things that you're aware of, the bullying and the incidents in high school and so on. Um, there would have been multiple inner child break, breaking points or splitting points where there would have been a protector part that came up to try to deal with the situation and then push down the vulnerable part of you because um, you don't want to get hurt again. So you try to exile some part of you. And that's quite common. I, I actually wanted to ask a follow up on that because I am just like as excited as a, a coach to exchange notes as anything. And I love that you brought up <laughs> The, the inner child work that was that was one thing that was massive for me i mean after years of mm. talk therapy, um to, nice. to find professionals who who guided me down into being with those parts of my younger self that really were feeling the most neglected and the most hurt and then i i i think about my work and where i go with it and how far i'm willing to go and it's and i you know i'll take those points when you do feel abandoned when she doesn't send that text and all of these surge of emotions are, are coming up and you want to run away from it and, and and send out a text to her, a desperate text to her that's going to make those bad feelings go away. And I say, and I'll go to the line where I'll say, like, this is really a time for you to to be with those feelings, to really, to really get comfortable with those parts of yourself that haven't received enough love in the past be present with them and feel and no matter how how scary no matter how hard like you really like no matter how much they're hurting you just really need to give them that attention that they haven't gotten in the past and i've even on a couple workshops i've even gone as far to say like okay what are those think back to like when you felt this way but i still but it's like after dabbling in it I still pull back and say yeah that's a little too far for me that's not a door <laughs> that i feel right. comfortable opening and going to so i just want to again check in with you who does have this 
and and say like, am I am I leaving it at the right point? Um, am I doing the right thing? Am I wow? What you're doing is already so therapeutic. So it is very uh, complementary to any kind of therapeutic work that any of your clients are already doing or will do. Even in the therapeutic context, we don't want to rush to the inner child. So we would never yeah. do. Um, inner child work, unless it's a consultation. So another therapist sends you this person with a file. But generally speaking, if it's the first uh, meeting with yeah. somebody, you you would probably reserve any kind of inner child work until the third, fourth, fifth session. Yeah, no, glad that my instincts were, were right on that one. And glad that the, the couple times I, I dabbled, it didn't go too far. And it wasn't, I, I called it off pretty quickly. But right, Nick, do you feel like, like, I mean, I thought that answer was more than incredible. Do you feel satisfying my it was mind-blowing and it really gives me a lot to think about thank you so much david um we ready for the next question hey david big fan i actually uh went through your invincible program a couple years ago oh, cool. in boston you probably already got my questions but uh i'm pretty short and not talking like just standard short i'm five two so i've always kind of had that against me and kind of in the back of my head through uh, all situations uh, growing up and everything. It was a lot easier back in like high school and middle school because girls thought I was cute. So they kind of just flocked to me <laughs> and just kind of had my picking. And then once I went to college, I realized that that was not the case anymore. <laughs> they wanted a man and all the stuff that comes with that mm. masculinity. And I just wasn't quite there yet. So I'm not sure if that's kind of where it all started, but I've been working on, you know, just getting comfortable in my own body and and when I'm most comfortable is alone. But I've realized that when I get into group settings, like if I go to a, a club, a nightclub or something, <clears throat> and then I see a bunch of girls and they're with these taller guys or they're dancing with the taller guys, that's when something starts creeping back into my head um, about me being short again. Or um, So I was just kind of wondering if you kind of where to mm -hmm. proceed from there. So this is a, in a, in a way, it's a, a kind of trick question. <laughs> Uh, so there's a logical approach to it using truth trees. And uh, in the long run, it produced more repression <laughs> because it was about uh, uh, it wasn't questioning the basis of this feeling that I'm not good enough. And why am I comparing myself to, to this metric? Um, and it, it just took for granted that I'm not good enough. Right? So uh, a lot of uh, inner game and pickup is, is like that. Uh, we just take the rules of the game as given to us that um, if you don't attract a lot of women, you're not good enough as a man. So then it's just sure. about, oh, I got to start, keep repeating to myself, I'm a 10, I'm a 10, or she wants me, or um, I'm the prize. Well, that was a big one. And they just repeat this to themselves, to brainwash themselves into believing this, that, and, but they're just taking at face value the rules of the game that were given to them instead of questioning the very basis of those rules. Um, it seems like you've already tried that. It seems like you're doing mindfulness and meditation or something like that. And You've been uh, working on this area. So now we can take the more the healthier approach, which is to see the, that there's a belief that you're not good enough. And the instantiation of that is your height, that you're too mm -hmm. short. But ultimately, be, you're saying you're too short, and that is telling you you're not good enough. You're not good enough in a specific environment on top of that, specifically in nightclubs with tall guys and those hot girls there. Right. So notice that this is relatively arbitrary in terms of your mental uh, well-being. So I could walk into 
one of those hackathons and I, I work with a lot of people in Silicon Valley. So, I, and, uh, they, I wouldn't even know what to do. I don't even know what to, where to sit. I don't know the protocol for this. Sort of like how I first felt when I walked into a BJJ gym, like, what is going on here? I don't know what to do. And I don't, I don't know the rules of the game. And I can feel like I could have the belief I'm not good enough to sit down at any of those keyboards and enter a hackathon. They're in their own world. And if that, if my significance was wrapped up in what they thought of me or at the deeper level, uh, I judge myself in this, in the same way that they judge me, or I believe they judge me or I perceive them judging me, then that's it. That's it for my self-esteem. That's it for my self-worth. And a lot of us buy into this because of a school and just like just our society that there's a view of what it's like to be an awesome person. So in this example you've given, that would be a six foot tall ripped guy who's probably rich and confident and talkative and well-dressed and all of those things, right? So you have your avatar of your ideal you that would be the opposite of all of those parts of you that you're ashamed of. And insofar as you can be that guy, then you will feel good about yourself. Right? so if you could magically snap your fingers or make you that guy, then you'd do it. All right, so, and then you would feel good enough. And this is part of the reason why uh, plastic surgery does, it's proven that it will raise people's self-confidence uh, mm-hmm. because they literally just went in there and just changed whatever they were insecure about and voila. But it doesn't actually uh, deal with the underlying insecurity that they weren't good enough without it. It's just giving them the thing instead. You know, wait a few years or six months and you're back to it. And they've, there've been plenty of studies, longitudinal, longitudinal studies of lottery winners who end up in the same situation uh, in terms of happiness and even financially after just six months. Um, because of their underlying belief uh, that we all have, by the way, I would just put, point this out so uh, you don't feel like you're sh- being shamed or anything. We all have the fear. We all need to uh, address it, the fear that we're not good enough. And the reason that's scary is because if we, we think if we're not good enough, then we won't be loved. And the reason why that's scary is because if we're not loved, we will die. It ultimately goes back to the fear of death from the moment of our as newborns, as our brains are still forming. And we carry these insecurities into adulthood and, and all the baggage is how we deal with as we grow up. How do we deal with this fear that we're not good enough? Well, achievers achieved. They achieved in order to not feel good enough. So we, uh, we discovered, I don't know, when we were a kid, that if we came back with an A or we did really well in the math test, then mommy and daddy liked us more or they showed, uh, we perceived it as they liked us more. And we got more attention and uh, respect or adoration or whatever it is that we craved. And we started to look for external ways of getting it. So at some point, especially in the dating, especially in the pickup world, our reference point became uh, like hot girls. The only reason we care about the tall guys is because hot girls, you know, like (laughs) you can imagine a world in which it was flipped. Like suddenly all the hot stars in the movies were short people and they were getting the hot girls and you don't give a fuck about the tall guys. And all the tall guys are feeling insecure because they want to get the short, they want to be shorter. So they're like, can I get surgery to, you know, remove some bone? I don't know. You know, so like, it's just a happenstance. It happened to be this way, but you could just Mm -hmm. replace this insecurity with any insecurity in a kind of arbitrary way. Just like me walking into a hackathon. I'm not smart enough. To, to, I don't know, code at the, as quick as these guys can. And I could feel insecure about that if I was drawing my sense of significance from the way they treated me or how I perceived they thought of me. So pickup is a kind of compensation. And if you get really good at pickup, you're a comp- compensatory narcissist. You're a compensating narcissist. You're good at compensating with narcissistic thought patterns and behaviors. That's what I became. 
That's how mm-hmm. uh, when I was coming up, that's I met Nick when I was trying to be a good compensatory narcissist. I was, I was in, like, when I was in the exact same boat. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, like, and I feel and I to... get that too because I feel like if I just get super good at picking up girls and I can pick up any girl I want, then or whatever, then you will be you know, good enough. Be gone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think from hearing you two talk and you know doing my own research, I mean, obviously that's not not how it works. So. It doesn't yeah. work, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you might get really good at compensating and then you'll just stave off the inevitable going through the dark tunnel and i ended up uh, suicidal as a result of how good i was compensating i thought i had gotten rid of that wimpy shameful loser guy and you're left with those parts of you that you thought you got rid of and exiled but they're back Mm -hmm. they've never left you just locked them up and now they've broken out Uh, the only long-term solution is to go to those parts of you that feel like they're not good enough and then to to find that part, that higher self in you that loves them and can bring that compassion and can meet their need for significance. And once you believe that you're enough just in who you are, not in, in the things that you do, once you are able to love yourself for you, then all of these other interpersonal issues fall away. And there's no emotion around that in terms of insecurity because I'm not seeking my significance from that. But it's just a matter of seeing that. It's a realization. It's an insight. It's an awakening to it. And that's the process of removing or helping those parts that are judging you, that are critical of you, to be able to relax back. Because they're critical and judging you because they actually have positive intention. They believe that you would be a lot happier if those hot girls were all over you. Because finally then, you will feel like you're good enough. And then you will be loved in a way that you have been craving since you were a baby, as we all have. Mm. But that's not going to come from them, not in any kind of lasting way. So then we go to ourselves. And I don't know if you've ever met anyone who you've seen has obvious uh, disadvantages in some way that if you were that guy, you would feel really insecure. But that guy doesn't care. He's just (laughs) like in his, he's just super unselfconscious, loves himself, or at least he looks like it. And he's just super comfortable. And people love this guy. Like, you ever notice that when you're not doubting yourself and measuring yourself against it, you're just unselfconscious, having a good time and and comfortable. You know, you're not a douchebag or a jerk or anything, but you're like connected with others. You love yourself. You're like, that person is just super charismatic. People are drawn to that person like a magnet, just drawn to them like this kind of attraction. So it's a long-term approach of being with um, those parts of you that are feeling like they're not good enough. Yeah. So do you think that, because I've been able to make some meaningful connection with girls. Um, but then in the end, like I never ask them out on a date or like do too much follow up. Cause mm. I think that like, there's another girl out there that, you know, maybe is the one that <laughs> I have a better connection with. And so I don't really get, go out on any dates, even though I make uh, all these well, connections uh, with girls. Notice that that belief is a very nice coping strategy from having to face the, the belief that you're not good enough. It's a nice excuse to be able to say, ah, this girl's not good enough for me. There might be a better one out there. Then you will never have to seriously confront the second date, or I guess the first date even, of putting yeah. yourself out there. Because the, the, the other belief, which might be legitimate, like a real, uh, the real issue that some people have is that they can't settle because they have this, uh, arbitrary, these arbitrary standards that they try to hold their mate to. And that's a whole other can of worms. And that's, again, often a reflection of, again, these core insecurities that you don't believe you're enough. And 
you need to get an XYZ woman in order for you to feel enough. The more picky we are on that standard, uh, is oft, it's often a reflection of how critical we are of ourselves. I, I just want to say to that answer, I love it so much because one, it's so good. It's so right on the money. But also, it's so completely different than the answer that I would give because it comes outside of my realm of expertise. And then where my therapy comes in and what it says to do to tag team it is to say, go to those places where there's some bunch of tall dudes dancing with the hottest women that are really going to start to to drag up those thoughts in your head that are really going to start to drag up those, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm too short. I'm not this, whatever those voices are saying. What I say is that those voices are always creeping up as an avoidance mechanism. They were the original avoidance mechanism. They're creeping up in order to get us to distract us from this uncomfortable, crappy feeling that's going on in our body that's coming up inside. And we can just start listening to that voice in our head and he's going to start distracting us from it. So what we want to do in those situations is one, recognize we're becoming emotionally compromised, recognize that our head is starting to jump in with all of this unconstructive bullshit. And at its root, it's really just trying, it's doing this, it's having this automated response because we're trying to avoid some emotional experience, some part of ourselves that is, 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 hasn't gotten enough love in the past is now coming up. And this is our, our opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is our best opportunity to kind of give him that presence, give him that care, give him that love that he hasn't gotten to really be with those feelings to say, yeah, it hurts. And guess what? This feels really crappy and it would be way easier for me to have another drink or way easier for mm -hmm. me to think about something else or way easier, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just be with this feeling. I'm going to take these deep breaths and I'm going to comfort him and I'm going to let him know he's okay. I'm going to let him know, Hey, I'm sorry for, for running. Like always like avoiding you. I'm sorry for running away till you can be in those situations and you notice it come those, those feelings, those thoughts start to come up. You catch yourself, you take a couple deep breaths, you ground yourself, you get to that, that calm, you get, the more you do this, the more you practice calming down those feelings, the, the like the, the easier it gets, the more calm they become to whereas you get to this place, hey, uh-oh, there's that old thing. Take a deep breath. I'm good. I'm feeling all right with that part of myself. He's getting a lot of love. He's being held on to. I can I can function now in a in a in a healthy way in this in this situation. Again, and you you need to do this in conjunction with getting in touch with with those deeper parts of yourself and those 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 younger parts that haven't gotten healed. But that would be my my tag team on how to how to truly overcome and and be at your best in these situations in the long run yeah very much appreciate it oh. yeah thanks for being here and thanks for opening up about all that stuff to give us the chance to to do what we love this is a really good time to educate yourself on the different attachment styles um attached is a great book for this and then to get yourself into as secure of an attachment style as possible being able to identify whether that other person is a little more anxious or a little more avoidant and proceeding accordingly. The second question about overcoming your own neediness, David shares that this is the perfect time for the therapeutic approach. This is the perfect time to look back and say, why is it that you feel like, oh, you need this person to make you happy? Or why is it that you've developed these, these habits that aren't serving you right now? And going back 
to when these things first manifested and releasing some of that pain that you're still holding on to and really how how the therapeutic approach is 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 going to be the best for you in overcoming this and making everything easier for you. And then the final question of how does he overcome his insecurity of being short? David pulls that out and looks at this as an overall insecurity of why do I feel that I'm not good enough? Why do I feel like some part of me just whatever it is that you 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 tell yourself is is wrong with you? that that people aren't going to love you for ah that was crap like i said i could not have been happier to have david i can't wait to have him back to join the conversation for free go to sparksofattraction.com